Let's together <clears throat> turn to page 119. This is the 32nd Sutra. We just started with this. The niyams or observances consist of purity, which is cleanliness or socha, contentment, which is santosh, austerity, which is tapasya, self-study, swadhyay, and openness to higher truths or often the devotion for the Supreme Lord Ishwar Pranidhan. Cleanliness we spoke of. And uh, Patanjali says later on, but I, you know, we've been talking about the uh, particular siddhi that comes with the perfection. And uh, with cleanliness, it was an interesting one. Um, a disinclination for the body. He says, of purely sattvic outlook, the ability to concentrate one pointedly, a cheerful attitude. <laughs> it's just like, wow, cleanliness is just giving us all sorts of things. <laughs> Mastery over the senses and an ability for inner communion. So if you thought that this could, this is the one, you know, perhaps that has the least weight, but seems to be giving a much larger kind of, <laughs> the list is larger here than for any other of the niyamas. Well, that's what we looked at, purity, cleanliness, and we thought of those smelly, stinky thoughts and actions and intentions. Anything that makes the mind be drawn to the grossness. You know, we said both of the body, then of our environment. Swamiji was very particular about the environment especially, and about the kind of movies you'd watch, or the books you'd have, or the people you'd spend time with and you know master would give our guru would give this example <clears throat> if you put your coat your overcoat back in the west especially when you go to a, an opera or you go to a restaurant or you go somewhere you check your coat in you know <laughs> so you put it in the coat room and he said if somebody smokes in that coat room then your coat will be stinking even though you aren't a smoker yourself the same as if we step into a, a room where a lot of people are smoking, for example, you know, we come out and somebody will come and say, yeah, have you been smoking? And no, no, I swear, not me, but the stink is what I'm saying, remains. And that's what happens is you may be very pure and you may be very sattvic and you ha may have very elevated thoughts, but the stink of those around us and of course our own environment, it stays it sticks and so that's another important thing in cleanliness and purity to be mindful of contentment now santosha in the mahabharata it is referred to as the supreme virtue we can see why because that's pretty much what we're trying to be we're trying to be content we're trying to be happy i mean that's the the very goal of the spiritual path you can perhaps say is that contentment but it's way more dynamic. That's why Yoganandaji called it ever new joy, this bliss that is just constantly, constantly changing and evolving and growing. But we have to start, which is interesting with contentment, is we have to start, we can almost say, on the monotonous and mundane level before this ever new experience of, because we seek ever new experiences, don't we? Um, if our days don't have some little element that's new or different, we think that that's been quite a boring day. 
and contentment is to be able to bring that quality first in the mundane, first in the monotonous. Because even on the spiritual path especially, we get discontented, we get tired of our own practices, you know, saying the same prayer over and over again, <laughs> doing the same techniques over. A lot of people say, you know, let's just, hey, can we not say the whole, you know, isn't it important to be creative? And to a certain degree, there's, a, there's definitely some truth there about creativity and how we express the spiritual path. But there's also a lot to be said about being able to just be in that moment and be able to squeeze from every mundane activity joy. You know, because that's the, that's the hard part for us. When it's mundane, we think, you know, where's the next, what can... And contentment is the opposite, really, of that restlessness that sets in. That if only I can see this slightly differently, if only I can have something, you know, we have the, we have a cafe now, many of you know. People come over and just it's like, what's new on your menu? I've tried it all. And like, okay, but that's what we are, you know, what's new on the menu today? Because I've tried it all. And so contentment is that very, in fact, divine quality, the supreme virtue to get to the point where we can experience joy in every moment, no matter how mundane, no matter how monotonous. The Swamiji says over here, especially, that contentment requires and presupposes, I like that word, that under all circumstances you will hold an energetic and bright attitude. So we're, you know, often contentment is seen as more like, all right, passive. Yeah, very passive, which is more to say, I wish I didn't have it, but chalo, chalega. It's different from acceptance. It's not just chalega, it's all right. It is an energetic and bright attitude. Oh, I have to say the same prayer again. Oh, wow. <laughs> Isn't that fun? Isn't that going to be amazing? Let me see what new is going to come. When I say Babaji's name this time, let me see what's going to come to me. When I say Lahiri Mahasaya's name this time, so it's that energetic, bright attitude. And of course, Patanjali says here, in contentment, the perfection of contentment leads to, as he calls it, get that right word, to superlative happiness. I have to look that word up, superlative, which essentially means the highest degree of happiness. And so to a certain degree, we can just say contentment becomes, in fact, the very goal that we're seeking. But it must be practiced. It can't just be, let's wait till samadhi, let's wait till some miraculous experience in my meditation that will bring me that experience. So that's for us an important aspect and especially to tune into our daily lives and say, all right, in my daily habits, in the same thing that I do, have I, have I maximized the joy from it? Can I still find unique ways to continue to be joyful as I perform, as I experience these same uh, circumstances over and over. Then we have austerity, tapasya. You, whenever you feel like something, you jump in. Thank you. <laughs> austerity and tapasya. And this is one that, like the brahmacharya, and like, you know, some of these, which is like, <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> Contentment, I'm happy with. And, you know, cleanliness, I'm okay to do. But tapasya and austerity, what does that require of us? 
And of course, we can say discipline, we can say, you know, just putting ourselves through slightly hard circumstances. Um, very recently for Easter, during the Easter satsang, uh, I, I remember we, I had shared this idea of Christ between being, say, you know, murdered and between being martyred, which result both in death, but one is where you choose and you willingly walk towards it, and the other is where you're forced into it. And that's the difference really where tapasya comes in. Tapasya, you can't be forced into tapasya. You can't be forced into a difficult situation and then say, you have to be willing to step into difficult situations. That's where tapasya comes in. You know, you see what these people do. It's like, uh, we've got these yogis, if you ever go to these kumbha melas, you'll see that one yogi's hand will just be up. Nobody forced, you know, it's not like, oh, my hand went up, let's go, okay, let's go, let's go. They'll put themselves, and Swami gives you these really <laughs> very cute practices. Place food in your mouth and try not to taste it. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> you know, just get there where you can really use your, attach your, detach yourself from that idea of taste and pleasure that comes. That, you know, that's tapasya. Uh, and what else? <laughs> Take a cold shower and don't let the cold affect you. <laughs> now, simple things, nobody is like, many people take cold showers every day, they don't, but they're not tuning into the quality that what they're, what are they trying to develop in the process. Willingly accept slights or insults from others. Willingly accept, not that forgive them once they have spoken it. So you've this idea that because on the other side, we assume and we live with the understanding or the hope that life is meant to be pleasurable. And so everything we try to do is that, how can I make my life more convenient, more easy, less of a problem, less of a bother. So all our energy is being guided towards creating just the right circumstance, just the right environment, just the right thing. And even like here we've got, you know, we're looking at find the right environment, but then sometimes do tapasya and put yourself in an environment that in fact, but willingly just be there, detach yourself in that moment from whatever is going on. I mean, these are things, Nayaswami Jaya would, for, for him, he gave us also a very, you know, practical, which I have always loved. And for him, he's like, well, one way of doing tapasya is never be the first one to complain. <laughs> you can be the second, <laughs> but don't be the first. So, you know, we would always, you know, back then when we were monks, we used to go in this really, really filthy, dirty, old omni car. And, you know, it was just, and the roads that we lived in, so bumpy. And we would all be like, up and down like this and it'll be hot, no AC, no nothing, you know, and everybody would be looking at each other. Who's going to say, who's going to say first, like, you know, who's going to make the first utterance of like, boy, this is hard or can somebody roll a window down or whatever it is. And all of us would be like, be the, I don't want to be the first one, but we're waiting for the who's going to be the first one. So then, then we can be the second one. <laughs> But uh, those are the ways that we can really look at what that means for us, Tapasya. Willingly to just say, all right, it's okay to be uncomfortable. 
In fact, I can I can choose because, in fact, that's where santosha will start coming from, isn't it? Contentment under all circumstances, because I'm I'm okay to put myself in difficult, painful, somewhat you know uncomfortable realities, and be very comfortable there at the same time. So we don't need to put our hands up and hold it there for months or years or whatever it takes. But we have our own ways, you know. Uh, when Narayani and I go to the cafe in those, and many from here, in an auto and it's stinking and it's hot and it's just, okay. You know, enjoying that moment as much as we can, willingly just letting that moment come to us. These are very tiny things and might seem to a certain degree superfluous, but that's how the mind is trained, you see, by the simple tiny things. It, it habituates itself to being just totally comfortable, always, under all circumstances. So you can say that's the aspect of tapasya, to be comfortable always and under all circumstances. The siddhis or the you know the perfection of tapasya leads to and this is like the most exciting that people enjoy is the development of siddhis of certain powers each chakra is said to possess a certain power you know one's the power of being of levitating of flying there's the power of growing as large as you want like lord hanuman there's the power of going as small as you want there's the power of instantaneously transporting your body wherever you want. So, you know, these are the exciting things. When somebody asks on the spiritual path, what powers have you, have you developed? They're hoping you'll tell them one of these, you know. Oh yeah, I can easily dematerialize my body nowadays. It's not much of a problem. But that's what tapasya comes from. And we've seen, in, if you read the Indian scriptures, we're like, they're big on tapasya. You know, this guy went and he sat to meditate. How many? Not days. <laughs> Not months, not years, not decades, <laughs> centuries. It's always centuries. 5,000 years later, <laughs> he comes back home and his wife is gone. <laughs> like, of course your wife is gone. <laughs> it's been 5,000 years. You know? <laughs> so that's the kind of, that's what drew, and that's what gave them powers. Siddhis then, Shiva would come pleased by their tapasya. Brahma would come pleased by their tapasya. That was the idea. You see what they did, willingly just would sit there, sit there, sit there, chant, whatever it is that they did, wasn't comfortable. You know, rain, sun, snow, whatever was going on before Valmiki, what happened? An anthill started to grow around his body and started to eat his flesh. I was like, wow, okay, that's tapasya. No? Then for us, it's like, chota sa kuch ho jata, and like, ow! And so it'll be lovely to just, again, we need reminders because day after tomorrow, I'm going to say, ow, when I step on a little thorn and I'm going to make a big brouhaha and I want Narayani to come and say, oh, to me and just how we are. But if we can just keep reminding every now and then, let that thorn be there and let me not say, ow, and let me not even tell anybody that I'm hurt. And these are the little things that we can do. Tapasya. I'll go. <laughs> then we have Swadhyaya, self-study, Swadhyaya. And uh, Swami has a nice little, you know, normally we talk about introspection here a lot, and that's where I would have taken this conversation, but he has a nice, um, uh, I can almost say, direction that he gives us. 
and his direction is study yourself kind of as if you're doing a PhD on yourself and that you have to write a thesis and then study how you move so it's not an introspective process it's a in the moment it's not like the day is over this is how I would say day is over you know go through the day and just see how did you react do that as well that's also part of the Swadhyay process but I found this very interesting you know how do you move how do you sit uh, what is the tone of your voice what are the ways that you react to others and how do you show interest in them which is another thing I found very <laughs> How do you show interest in them? Are you interested <laughs> in other people? And this would be an interesting, interesting study. I guess the word interest is being thrown too many times in there. Just because when you have to wonder if you're showing interest in other people, you have to watch what your thoughts are saying, see what your body language is doing at the time. You know, oftentimes we're like the person's talking and <laughs> we're like kind of closed, we're not open to them at all, our minds either elsewhere or most often we're formulating our response and the quick comeback or where I want this direction, <laughs> how I want this conversation to change and perhaps be drawn back to something I enjoy more. And it would be an interesting thing, wouldn't it, to actually write a thesis on ourselves and just every day go through and you know make a make a research paper out of it a real research paper and a research paper is not just a dear diary thing the research paper is a very structured you know movement and a whole <laughs> essay on movement how i sit and a whole thing on that how i speak and a whole thing on that you know just break your life into you know, sections of awareness how I react, how I react under favorable conditions, unfavorable conditions, irritating people, <laughs> wonderful people. I mean, just there could be so much to gain from that, wouldn't it be, Swadhyay? Just really study yourself. And um, this is more, in fact, it's a little more external than normally uh, we would suggest. Uh, I would go, as I said, more for the, uh, in the end of your meditation, look through the day and which is also a very nice way to do that, but um, I thought this was more fun somehow. <laughs> this makes you, as Swami often said, become an ego detective. And this makes you like a detective because now you have to study yourself. So, okay, where is my hands when I sit? How, how do they, are they comfortable? Are they at rest? Am I fidgeting all the time? I mean, there's just so much to us that we don't pay any attention to. And it would be really fun to get into the minutia of, <laughs> and you know, suddenly we'll get really uncomfortable. <laughs> How should my hands be? Because the moment we start thinking about that, we, we'll, in fact, we'll feel that we've never used this body before. <laughs> suddenly it'll feel like I'm in an alien's body. And that's another interesting way to look at it, to study yourself as if you're studying somebody else. And just be, you know, non-judgmental, impersonal, enjoy the process, have fun in it. But uh, you know, if anybody of you ever writes such a research paper, we'd love to read it. We can publish, <laughs> publish it in, <laughs> to the world. And finally, we come to, for me, the, the best test of all <laughs> the yamas and the niyamas are Ishwar Pranidhan. 
Um, devotion to the Supreme Lord. Swami also puts here openness to the highest truth. And for me, this is the kind of niyam that puts everything into context because everything we're asking people to do is just hard. You know, don't lie, don't have angry thoughts and just speak only the truth and, you know, put yourself in difficult situations and learn to really enjoy, you know, all the mundane, monotonous aspects of life. I mean, everything's going to take a lot of effort. Nothing here, you know, of the yamas and the niyamas is actually come naturally to us. Nothing of this will come unless, of course, you've habituated yourself, then it becomes a natural reality. But for most people, all of this is going to have to be imposed on us. And the main question will be, why would I do this? <laughs> why would I put myself through all this trouble and, you know, keep my mind always in awareness of what I'm saying, what I'm thinking, how I'm expressing myself? And all of it boils down to this devotion to the Supreme Lord, if, in fact, you love God. That's the only reason you'll do this. Otherwise, you just won't. And that's the reason we don't do it, because we don't have true devotion to the Supreme Lord. We still have devotion to Shurjo. I have a lot more. I'm more open to Shurjo than I'm open to my Guru. I'm a lot more infatuated with Shurjo than I am with my Guru. And so, therefore, I practice the yamas and the niyamas, not of Patanjali, but of Shurjo. And Shurjo's yamas and the niyamas are, always find the easy way out. <laughs> you know, if you have to say something that will get you out of a difficult situation, just say it. I mean, these are our yamas and niyamas, and that's how we think, because the ego should be protected, the ego should be comfortable, the ego should not feel threatened. So we've created our own do's and don'ts, because we have... Not Ishwar Pranidhan, but Shurjo Pranidhan and whatever else your name is. So that's why this Yama, Niyama becomes like really, really important. And we have to understand what devotion means. Devotion doesn't mean, you know, I'm singing bhajans all the time, and which you can, of course, and that's beautiful. But devotion comes from, of course, the word to be devoted to. And you have to see, am I devoted to God? So what does it mean to be devoted to something? What does it mean for a mother to be devoted to her child? You know, doesn't mean that the mother is clapping and singing to her child all the time or just, you know, sitting and staring at her child all the time. No, to be devoted to the child means she wakes up because of the child, because the child needs to be fed. She decides what her day is going to look like based on her child, not on her likes and dislikes. She may want to go to the restaurant and eat something, but if her child's not feeling well, it's all over. And she won't give it a second thought. She won't say, oh, I wish, if only I didn't have this child. No, it's just instantaneous. What does it take for a person who's devoted to their work or people who, you know, the sports people, for example, these athletes, for example. I always give the example of Lance Armstrong, unfortunately, even though he's a little disgraced now. But whatever his disgrace may have been, at the time, he had written uh, in an interview, he was sharing with this interviewer his just daily routine. And his daily routine was, I wake up at four in the morning and I go for a whatever, 100 kilometer <laughs> bike ride. And then, you know, I come back and then I, uh, in the, I have to eat only this. And then I go to, you know, and do 50 laps in the swimming pool. And then afterwards, I have to go to the gym and I work on these particular muscles. And then I eat this and then I, and I sleep at this time. And he says, and I do this every day. 
on Christmas, on my birthday, on my child's birthday, it doesn't matter. There is no day, there is no reason for me not to do this. You see, that's devotion. And that's what we lack. We lack that quality that says, I do this irrespective. Whether I like it, whether I dislike it, whether I want to, whether I don't want to, whether my friend's having a party, so therefore, whether my child's not really feeling up to it, this is what I do. Devotion to the Supreme Lord. And until we don't have that, the yamas and yamas will always be shaky. I mean, we'll, we'll do a little here and we'll do a little there. We'll forget very often. We'll um, modify them a little bit to our convenience. And, but that's okay. That's a process. That's where we are. So that's why I love this last one because it's, it's, it's really, everything hangs on this. You have to pick it up from this devotion because otherwise you just won't do this. There's no reason for the ego to willingly accept these 10 commandments. <laughs> There's just no reason for it. it. It says, yeah, I think I'll pass on this one. But if there's devotion to the Supreme Lord, if there's complete surrender to the highest truth, then you'll say, you know, in that case, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Nothing matters then. And I'll do it on my birthday, on my children's birthday. I'll do it no matter what. Rain, sun, shine, whatever. So there we are with the Yamas and the Niyamas. And... We move on to the 33rd Sutra, which says, When disturbed by negative thoughts, think of their polar opposites. It's a kind of an odd thing to have for him to have thrown in there. He's just like, what's the context here? When disturbed by negative thoughts, think of their polar opposites. But if you look at the Yamas and the Niyamas, they're actually polar opposites to a certain degree. One is, don't do this. The other is, do this. And what um, Patanjali is trying to say is that you have to work on both ends. You not only have to withdraw from that negative thought, you have to redirect it to the opposite end. So you can't just say, I'm not going to lie. You have to cultivate simultaneously purity, which is a positive aspect of bringing in whether or non-violence or whatever that thing is. You're not just going to say, I have to practice brahmachari. You're going to bring in tapasya, which is in every other situation also, I'm going to willingly put myself in slightly you know, uncomfortable situations where I have to hold my life force at bay you know, and not let it kind of just ease out of me so easily. And so on. And similarly, you're not going to just give up attachment and greed. You're going to have to develop devotion for God. Because you won't give up attachment and greed unless you develop. So what Patanjali is saying here for us, and this is a very practical thing in anything, when disturbed by negative thoughts, don't try to push the negative thought away. Think instead of the polar opposite. Swami says here, when you're disturbed of thoughts by people that you dislike, well, just concentrate on people that you do like. So, well, this seems, again, this seems so simplistic, doesn't it? But in the moment that we're thinking about people that we dislike, we don't, we don't have the strength to shift the energy to people that we like. Swami, when he was building Ananda, said something interesting. Narayani and I did an experiment once that actually didn't end so well because we didn't know how to apply this teaching as well. I think we're, we're a little more mindful now. But Swami said, work only with positive people. 
and he, you know, in the early days on really all the time, we're going to find all sorts of people and all sorts of people are going to exist in our lives. And he says, focus and work only with the positive people. And that's hard. Why is it hard? Because negative people actually occupy more of our mental space. So it's hard to make that shift. And he says, if you start working with too much with negative people, one thing could happen is you could also, that energy could rub off on you, but assuming you're also strong, he says, you'll bring them all the way, you know, you'll work with them and you'll bring them to neutral. But he says, the moment you're not there with them anymore, tendencies are that they will return back. And he says, and you put out a lot more energy in fact, you waste a lot more energy. But if you work only with the positive people and you generate a very strong vortex of positivity, that power might draw whoever else wants to be. Now, nobody wants to be negative. There, I, I guess maybe there are some people who enjoy that. But most of us try our best not to get into that zone. But there's a certain magnetic pull there. There's a certain, I don't know, even pleasure <laughs> in complaining. There's a pleasure in being able to say that, you know, it's somebody else's fault. There's a pleasure in judgment. There's pleasure in criticism. So uh, we enjoy this. be the primary source of your joy and your absolute sorrow. sorrow. And this is an important aspect to know. Rather than giving too much energy to those that you dislike or those you have trouble with, focus wholeheartedly. Switch. Don't try to push and say, okay, I won't spend time with... It's not enough to say, I won't go there. Where would you go instead is, in fact, more important in these cases. So think about that. Uh, this week, I believe we offered one of the um, practices as every time you think of, you know, an, uh, an ego-affirming thought or ego-remembering thought, see if you can instantaneously place a God-remembering thought as well. Or if you think of a limiting thought, try to think of a slightly more expansive thought. And this could be another way to look at it. You know, every time some direction of the energy is drawn into the negative disturbances of the mind, try and see if you can train yourself. Because this is not easy when, when that pull happens. It's very difficult to jump your consciousness high enough to then attract a, you know, a truly positive thought, not just kind of, uh, I'm doing it for the sake of doing it. But if we train ourselves, you'll start to see that the magnetism of that positive energy starts to really, really drive your mind, drive your life, and it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful practice to do. So, when disturbed by negative thoughts, think of their polar opposites. And goes on, and perhaps this can be our last sutra for the class. When negative thoughts arise in the mind, 
or when one feels impelled to commit acts of violence, which of course we're also talking about on the mental level, whether out of craving, anger, or infatuation, and whether indulged in with mild, moderate, or extreme intensity. I like Patanjali, he has these, these three categories and everything. Mild, moderate, and extreme. And he wants you to know, which one are you in? Are you in the mild category of negative, you know, being pulled into negativity? Are you in the moderate category or the extreme intensity category? Such thoughts and impulses are based, are all based on ignorance and are certain to cause one pain at such times to think their opposite thoughts. So again, he's re reinforcing the exact same thing. Such thoughts and impulses are all based on ignorance. We like to think all these thoughts are based on people and circumstances, but it's based on our ignorance and is certain to cause one pain. Isn't it interesting that we have so clearly, somebody's just telling you very clearly, if you have negative thoughts, if you're a negative person, or if your tendency is in that direction, you're going to go through a lot of pain. One would think that should be plenty for us to say, oh boy, I'm not going to do that then. But we just don't. <laughs> we, we, we still think we'll be the exception. I can think these negative thoughts and I won't suffer. I mean, somebody just coming to you and just telling you, and this is not a somebody, this is, you know, these people are people that we wholeheartedly love and want to become like. I mean, it's just, and they're just telling us as clear as day, Bhai, if you think negatively, you're going to suffer. There's going to be pain in your life. And I don't know, I would think that should be plenty. But it isn't because we've all been children and our parents have all told us very wise things and they haven't been plenty. If you play with fire, you will get burnt. And, you know, I think we've all gotten burnt a few times before we realize maybe my parents are speaking the truth. And so, as we said before, in this particular case, suffering is our salvation. We just have to suffer a little bit more. And oftentimes... Uh, I don't know where, even in Patanjali, he says, when somebody's suffering, what does he say? Be compassionate, but don't, like, don't extend too much of your, oh, I should find that sutra. Where he was saying, when people are happy, rejoice in their happiness. When they're sad, do this. When they're suffering, do this. And essentially, he's saying, you know, don't try to alleviate their suffering from that perspective. No, that's, again, an interesting thought. But it's almost like him saying, they need let them go through this journey. Let them see cause and effect. And let them automatically, eventually reject and say, this isn't going to work for me. I can't be negative anymore. I just can't be judgmental anymore. I just can't hold, you know, violent thoughts in my mind. And um, I guess it's just going to be a matter of time, but we don't have to be. It doesn't have to be if we just say, all right, I'm going to start practicing this now. Because habit is too strong. And if we think, uh, Swadhyaya is going to be fun this time, you know, because most of us don't see ourselves in the right light. Most of us would say, if somebody were to ask me, I, mostly I would say, you know, I'm actually all right. 
not that bad. But if I were to really look at myself with a microscope or a magnifying glass, I would find a lot of things to work on. You know, just a very long list. But if I just think about it, I don't, I don't think I'm that negative. I don't think I'm that this. I don't think I'm that. I think, yeah, I think I can willingly accept tapasya. But I complain for the smallest things, and I do. And I, I think I can do it in large ways, but it's really the tiny things. It's really the first thought that comes when somebody's saying something that you don't like. Those are the real things that we need to be looking at. Not that when some large thing happens, in general, I'm able to hold some sort of a positive outlook. What happens? What's that first impulse that comes to you? In the simplest of things, in the people who are just sitting next to you. And um, anyway, Swadhyaya perhaps would be a fun practice. That's me. <laughs> well, I think so many tips have many been tips. shared, which is going to be hard to choose. But since last week we practice some of the yamas that, by the way, I try to, you know, <laughs> the challenge just to fulfill it and it has been really wonderful every day to look for that challenge and make sure that you practice what you said you would and and there is an, an energy a consciousness of the yamas that you put out into motion and then at the end of the week it became like of course i have to do this it's just a, a natural part of my daily life and it was quite fine personally to put that into practice so Therefore, why not try to do the same this week? And I would like to concentrate in, this, in these three uh, niyams, which is contentment, austerity, and self-introspection. And Swami Kriyananda says about contentment, contentment that its, its practice is about cheerful renunciation. And that's what brings in our lives a cheerful renunciation. And he gives an actual practice. He says, every time something outside yourself, a circumstance, a situation, a person brings a little bit of tension, disharmony, you know, like you feel contracted for that particular outcome or, or situation, he says, Inhale and exhale deeply. Breathe deeply before you mentally react to it. Before you say that particular thing, before you complain. And he says, don't do this once or twice a day. Practice it as many times as you can throughout the day. Deep, breathe deeply, inhale, and exhale thousand times throughout the day and release that tension, that contraction that starts from, first from the physical body, but eventually relax every part of your being. And, and I loved when, I mean, when he writes, it brings cheerful renunciation. I mean, this is just a beautiful approach. So I would say, let's practice contentment through starting to inhale and exhale deeply throughout the day many times. I mean, let's just think about you every day 
thousand times inhaling and exhaling. It's just, you know, just releasing, being chilled about what's going on outside yourself because it has nothing to do really with your happiness. Moving on for, from uh, going to austerity, Swami Kriyananda says here that it takes mental detachment from the body. And I would like it to pick it up from this per perspective. He gives a particular practice, and I liked what you said about having a cold shower daily. In fact, when I read it this afternoon, I started already this evening. I just had my first cold shower, and this is what I'm going to practice every day. Morning and evening, I'm going to have my cold showers and start mentally detaching myself from that experience and practicing a little bit of tapasya, not having everything so comfortable and just like, okay, this is totally fine and I don't need to make a big fuss for not having, you know, warm water. So I would say if you feel like something you want to challenge yourself, please let's all give it a try. And the last thing about uh, self-introspection, Swamiji actually calls it self-awareness, the ability to become aware of, of, yes, your movement, your energy, how you behave, how you see it. And then he moves on and says, watch the way you laugh and pay attention to that vibration. And, and why are you really laughing about? Because through laughter, we can also identify if there is any sense of sarcasm or if there is any a hint of negativity or judgmental and, or, or something that we want to make fun of rather than with. And I think this will be also a very good practice in addition to how we move, but just pay attention to the quality of your laughter, the vibration behind it. Why are you really laughing? I mean, what, what triggered within you? Are you using that as a response to something? Um, pay attention to that and see if that laughter comes from a sense of you know, some sarcasm behind uh, that reaction. So I think these three practices, the, the breathing exercise throughout the day so we can practice cheerful renunciation, having a cold shower daily without complaining, without outwardly reacting, ah! shouting in the shower like can I just be under this cold water and just don't say anything just be there and maybe perhaps say yes yes I mean you just play with it and then of course the self-awareness everything about you your movements but especially your laughter and see if there is something that your laughter will help you to identify 
deeper aspects of your being and, and perhaps uh, redirect a little bit uh, your energy and your way of interacting in that particular situation. Since we have a couple of minutes, why don't we just take a moment of silence to make a mental note, an inner challenge on how to practice in a very, very practical, simple way these particular niyams throughout this week. I mean, if, if we cannot just do these simple steps, it's going to be harder as we move on spiritually. So might as well give it a try when it's simple enough for us to, to give it a try. And to take it seriously. The niyamas are the do's. It is a positive repetition, positive affirmation through our actions. I will do this. I will practice this. Or if is there anything else perhaps that you feel inspired to practice throughout this week? Take a mental note, but be very honest with yourself and commit to that particular practice that you know you, you will do. Otherwise, there won't be any power in your thoughts and your resolution through your determination. And of course, invite the power of Patanjali. The power of your guru and God's grace. to make of each practice something powerful, transformative. Something that has the power to change habits in your life, thought patterns, to bring discipline. And to bring determination Let's take a moment of silence to close this evening. And to open ourselves to a new adventure for this coming week.
ओम शांति शांति Have a lovely rest of your evening and make your way into the weekend. I know these are holiday 